What's up, this Shaq Bear, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the 33rd episode of Season 2. Today, we're going to be talking about breakout wide receivers, talking about guys like Deontay Johnson, Jerry Judy, Brandon Ayuk, C.D. Lamb, and why we believe they could reach even higher heights this year. Joining me today to break this all down is a man who is the Director of Predictive Analytics for the Action Network and has been the number one ranked fantasy pros expert in three of the last six seasons. He is a fellow member of the Adele division in the Scott Fishbowl with over 70,000 followers on Twitter and a name that sounds like the next great Batman villain. He is the odds maker, Sean Corner. What's going on, Sean? What's up, Alex? Thanks for having me. No, it's, it's great to have you. And I, I mean, wide receivers are probably my favorite position to cover in fantasy football. So, I mean, no better person to have than you on today. I know we had talked a little bit before the Scott Fishbowl division about, you know, our love for Deontay Johnson and how intriguing he is this year. So I'm excited to get into all that today. But before we start, like I mentioned in my intro, the fact that you were the number one expert in three out of the last six seasons, like how did you get into predictive analytics and like how how long and what are the best things that you've learned in refining your process to be as good as you are at them? Um, so long story short is I got into fantasy football when I was very young. Uh, my dad started his fantasy football league in 1985. So I was a newborn baby back then. Um, so, you know, back then we didn't have live scoring. Um, there, there wasn't a thing called the internet. So uh, my dad would have me read off the player stats from the, uh, the Monday morning newspaper at a very young age. So at a very young age, I was already, you know, obsessing over player statistics. And then it evolved from there. I, I became passionate about fantasy football. And then he let me play in his league when I was eight years old. Um, so I just got, you know, a head start. Um, and then, you know, I just tried to get better at fantasy football. So I started to, you know, come up with my own rankings and then come up with my own projections. Um, so when I went to school, I, I really would focus on math and statistics and trying to get better at projecting fantasy football players. Like I was on a path from day one. So, um, you know, and, you know, when it comes to doing what you love, I couldn't say it more clearly. Like, you know, I am doing what I love. This is something I would be doing even if I was retired. So I think having the passion um, to make player projections, um, you know, kind of helped fuel my drive. And I've put in so much time and effort over the past couple of decades and, you know, trying to perfect my craft. That's so cool. And I, I think the thing that's even cooler about it is there's not many people that were literally like you were born to play fantasy football. I mean, like, <laughs> I think that's awesome to say, cause like, you know, people make the joke, oh, like, were you born to do this as an analyst? And you are one of those people that really was. And I think that's so cool. Cause I can relate to that because that's how I got into it. Um, obviously we're not the same age, but my dad was t told me stories about growing up, about like looking at the box scores on Monday morning. And I think he started his first league in 92 and he's still in it to this day. Um, so pretty, pretty, pretty cool to see. And I'm glad that like, again, that people can hear stories like that. I think that's really cool. But another thing that we talked about in the intro, Scott Fishbowl, this was my first Scott Fishbowl. And I guess my question for you is this, I'm guessing it's not, but was it your first Scott Fishbowl? And like, how was your experience playing this year? Um, it, it is not my first Scott Fishbowl I played last year. Um, and I had a lot of fun, even though I had a pretty bad, uh, 
injury bug on my team last year. I think I had like Christian McCaffrey, Odell Beckham, Michael Thomas, pretty much every big name that got injured last year. And I'm starting off with a bang this year. You know, I, I took Michael Thomas and I think it was round three. So um, looking forward to filling his his slot for the first six or so weeks. But yeah, um, yeah I love it. I, I think it's for a great cause. I love just how massive it is and how big it's uh, become. So I was, you know, glad to have, you know, have you in our league, but I, I think we'll, we'll get to the draft in a bit, but I think we were sniping each other's picks at the uh, tail end of the draft here. Um, <laughs> I, I remember there's a couple of times where I, I had a player, I thought they would make it back to me, but you sniped them for me. So kudos on that. Okay. Okay. Well, that's, that makes, that makes me feel pretty good to hear. And I think that that was actually my next question is like, who are some of your favorite picks? I think mine, I think one of the things when I was trying to, look through projections and stuff like that that would be interesting for this league. I thought Tom Brady was actually a really interesting pick for this league because for people that don't know about Scott Fishbowl is it's like super fantasy football where they have crazy rules that most people would not even think about. Like even as terms like a drop pass or like an incomplete pass for quarterbacks takes it away. But then there's six points per touchdown scoring. It's tight end premium, which tight ends get one point and a half um, per reception. It's pretty interesting. So my favorite picks were – Tom Brady, I think, because I picked him very early because the super flex, which means you can play at least two quarterbacks. And DeAndre Swift was one of my other ones. I think he's a guy that's really interesting for this year. And I got him in a later round. And I actually didn't mean to pick him, but I didn't like him at the time. But I took him because he was like the last big, great running back I taught. And now he's like one of my top five favorite running backs to draft right now. Who are some of your favorite picks? I think uh, one of my favorite picks was getting Kyle Pitts um, in round four. He was the seventh tight end off the board. And I remember thinking about taking him in round three um, because he and it looks like Mark Andrews were still on the board. And I wanted to get one of them. Yeah. Um, so I took a pretty big gamble. I, I took Nick Chubb in round three, which I thought was a great pick. Um, but I gambled that either Mark Andrews or Kyle Pitts would make it back to me. And it happened to be Kyle Pitts, which is crazy because his ADP was like tight end four at the time. Yeah. Um, so I was very happy to get him. Um, I thought getting Amari Cooper in round seven as the wide receiver 18 Ooh. was good as well. I mean, I love getting either Cowboys wide receiver, but, um, you know, CeeDee Lamb was already gone. So I, I thought getting Amari Cooper there was awesome because, you know, he was wide receiver one overall um, after uh, week four last year when Dak was still healthy. So I think he just has – Massive, massive upside. So in a league like this, especially now that I have Michael Thomas on the shelf, I was happy getting a guy like Amari Cooper as my wide receiver too. For sure. No, I love that. But I think it's something that's super interesting to play. And like you said, it's it's for a great cause. And I love that in the community, people that don't know on Twitter is like that they literally go on Twitter and there's people that are giving spots away on things like Fantasy Jeopardy or entering giveaways and stuff like that, all for a good cause. But I love that it's one of those big things that really – you know, brings everybody in fantasy football together. And I'm really excited to be a part of it for the first time because I didn't know much about it before this year. And um, I'm really excited to get into it. But I will say, Sean, not as excited as I am. I mean, I'm much more excited to get into our wide receiver breakouts today. And that leads us right into your first wide receiver breakout. Who is it? I'm going with C.D. Lamb. You know, Love it. every year it seems like there's a wide receiver in this like wide receiver 15 to 20 range. Um, that I like to target heavily uh, before they, you know, I think they're going to turn into wide receiver ones. Um, in 2019, that was Kenny Galladay and Chris Godwin. Um, last year was Calvin Ridley. I feel like almost every draft I was in, I came out with Calvin Ridley um, if he came, you know, if he got drafted outside the top 15. And this year, CeeDee Lamb, you know, I just think 
Um, I already talked about Mari Cooper. I love his upside. But I think, you know, CeeDee Lamb, he already showed last year that he was wide receiver one caliber. He was uh, the wide receiver 12 uh, weeks through one through four last that's last year when Dak Prescott was still healthy. Um, so we've already seen his upside, but he's going to get even better um, heading into year two. And I think, you know, the Cowboys, they, they were really pass heavy in their, those first four games because of the defense um, and how weak it was. And, you know, they did, they weren't able to make um, enough additions, I think, this offseason to feel good about their defense. So I think we're going to see, you know, the same up-tempo pass heavy offense we saw you know, the first few weeks last year. And CeeDee Lamb, they're moving around the formation, so he's going to see a lot of playing time last year. It was so frustrating to see him only play 65 to 70% of the snaps. Last year, they, they had, you know, Cedric Wilson and Noah Brown get playing time over CeeDee Lamb last year. I think that's gone. I think we're going to see him be, a you know, 80% to 90% snaps played type of player this year. So, the, you know, the sky's the limit with him. I think he has top five upside. So he's a steal getting him right now, wide receiver 15. I love that. I love that. How high would you draft him? Because the guys see, I mean, it's crazy. Like I was actually right with you with Chris Godwin the year before. And then even Calvin Ridley last year were guys that I, in those years, I came out with in almost every single draft. And CD Lamb was that guy for me this year. I also was like, okay, I'm, I'm falling in love with this guy where he's going, but it concerns me a little bit now that he's going as the wide receiver 10 and underdog ADP. Like how, how high is too high for CD Lamb this year? Or is he like, your Godwin or your Calvin Ridley, like this guy, no matter what happens, is going to break out into like a top five or top 10 tight end this uh, wide receiver this year. Yeah, I think 10 is a bit steep. Uh, th this happens every year. It seems like I'm obsessed with the guy when his ADP's, you know, um, in the high teens and then it creeps up to like 10 with him. So I, I think at 10, I'd probably back off. I'd still probably take a guy like Terry McLaurin, even Allen Robinson over yeah, him me too. just because they're a bit safer. But, you know, you can't deny the upside that Lamb brings. So if people are taking him at 10, I can't fault them. But, you know, I have so many shares um, with him, you know, around the wide receiver 15 ADP that at this point I'm okay backing off a little bit just because I think, you know, you have to bake in that upside a little bit. And when his ADP gets up to 10, that's, you know, that's probably closer to his uh, ceiling. For sure. And I think you made a really good point there about saying like with your Terry McLaurin's, your Allen Robinson's, like with McLaurin, Robinson, and then like Keenan Allen. I mean, I would take those guys over CeeDee Lamb, but right after that kind of, I would have a tier break right there because those guys are like, I mean, really good every year. But I think after that tier break, CeeDee Lamb's the guy there. I'm, I'm all in with you. And especially like, I mean, multiple reports out of camp is all he's been doing is making highlight plays. And then yesterday, I don't remember the beat reporter's name off the top of my head, but he said that this whole camp for this entire Cowboys roster has been C.D. Lamb, tear break, every single other player. Like, it has been far and away the best player. And I know your Amari Cooper stands out there saying, like, Alex and Sean, like, you know, like, Amari Cooper's not playing or this wouldn't be happening. Like, okay, come on, like, calm down. C.D. Lamb has been the best player on this roster. Um, I really like C.D. Lamb. But another guy that I like just as much as C.D. Lamb is our guy, I would like to say, Deontay Johnson. I mean, I think Deontay Johnson is as underrated as it gets in fantasy football right now. Um, especially when last year from week 16 on, he was the wide receiver seven and half PPR. People do not talk about that enough. And the reason they're like, okay, why from wide receiver week six on? Well, in three of the first five weeks, he played a game with 24% of the snaps, 8% of the snaps, and he missed a game through to injury. So, I mean, if you throw all that out last year, again, he was the wide receiver seven after that. And I think the biggest thing that I love him so much is I'm a big person that's a fan of reception perception. And I've had a couple questions about it lately, so I might as well explain it a little bit more. Reception perception is about a guy named Matt Harmon that works for Yahoo and he charts how well that wide receivers get open 
So that's the pure metric of it. No matter the team, the coach, the quarterback, what is the one thing that wide receivers can control? And that's how well they get open. And Deontay Johnson has been absolutely ridiculous with that. Last year, he finished in the 95th percentile since 2014 in beating man coverage, which means that he was getting open at a 95% rate higher than any single wide receiver that's been charted since 2014. Finished at the 96th percentile in beating zone coverage, 86th percentile in beating press coverage. And the last thing I will say about Deontay Johnson is there's people, okay, they drafted Najee Harris, so they're going to run more this year. I agree, but I did a little study myself. I took the Steelers' worst pass attempt since 2012, and I took that number times Deontay Johnson's target share, just his target share when he's on the field last year, and that still came out to 133 targets when he had 144 last year. But that that target share includes the three games that he got injured and he missed. So that, I mean, again, I think that at the end of the day, Deontay Johnson's target share is not going away. And I'm a full believer in him. Are you, are you just as much on this hype train as I am? Oh yeah. Like I, I drafted Deontay Johnson in the rookie draft in my fancy pros dynasty league. Really? Um, because I, I, you know, I envisioned he was a potential Antonio Brown replacement and boy, was I right? Like he, he is almost, oh my God, yeah. you know, Antonio Brown, clone, like he gets open um, and that's all you can ask for wide receiver. And, you know, he did lead the league in drops last year. So um, that's not a stat that I'm too concerned about. That's not a sticky stat. So I, I think of it as, you know, he left a ton of points on the field last year that he's going to get back this year. Um, so hopefully he can clean up the drops. But, you know, you don't get that many targets unless you're open, unless you're a great route runner, and he's all the above. So I love getting uh, Deontay Johnson. You know, his, his ADPs – Pretty high at, um, you know, like wide receiver 22, but I think he is still worth it. Yep, I, I agree. And I think one of the things that people don't like talk about enough with drops, and like you said, from depending on the site you look like, some sites that he had anywhere from 10 to 16 drops. Well, at this point going into the next season, the more drops he had last season for me, the better, because that's 10 to 16 times that he was open. Because drops are a stat that's charted when someone is open and they drop the pass. It's not for contested catches like throwing Kenny Galladay a 50-50 ball. It's that's 10 to 16 times that he was literally open. So imagine if he caught all those passes and how many more yards or even touchdowns that he would have gotten. Again, I digress. Deontay Johnson is absolutely amazing. Um, but he might not even be as amazing as the next guy that you are going to talk about. Please tell us about Jerry Judy and why we should be all in. Yeah, speaking of about wide receivers getting open and dropping the ball. That's that's kind of why I like Jerry Judy um, as a breakout candidate this year. Um, you know, his ADP could dip a little bit after we, we finally got clarity that Aaron Rodgers is staying Green Bay. I know some people had some hope that yeah. he'd go to Denver and Jerry Judy would be, you know, a lock to be a wide receiver too if Aaron Rodgers went there. So, you know, people are disappointed that so his ADP may drop. Um, but, you know, I love him heading into year two. Um, he's a great route runner. He's able to get open and get targets. Um, he was held back last year by poor QB play and by his fault, dropping the ball. Um, but he finished seventh in air yards. Um, and, you know, he had a 58% catchable ball rate, which is third worst last year, which is not his fault. Um, and that should improve this year. Either Drew Luck's going to get better as a quarterback this year or Teddy Bridgewater will replace him. And I think Bridgewater will get um, Judy some catchable balls this year. Um, so I love him to bounce back in that um, key uh, stat. And then, you know, he had a 17.6% drop rate last year, which is worse 
for any wide receiver with 100 plus targets. Um, now that was his fault, but like you mentioned with Deontay Johnson, that's something that's not very sticky year to year. So you know he's going to catch the ball a lot more this year, and I think he's a great pick um, at ADP, right around like wide receiver 37. So you know he could start the year on your bench. Um, so you know very little downside in taking Jerry Judy right now. Well, I think that he's he's similar. I mean, he's going in the same range that Deontay Johnson was going last year. And I mean, they're not exactly in similar situations, but again, Jerry Judy is another guy that I'm also all in on. And I think one of the things, and again, I know people hate training camp news and everyone's in the best shape of their life, but when multiple people are all coming out and saying the same thing, that Jerry Judy's dominating camp and they're all pro safety, Justin Simmons is saying that Jerry Judy could have a legitimate all pro or pro bowl year. And then their GM is saying that he might be a top five wide receiver in the NFL. Again, I know that people are like, okay, what's well, the Broncos? And they're they're a terrible run franchise. Again, besides that, when all those people are coming out and saying the same thing, I believe it. Of course, one beat reporter could say this guy's in the best shape of his life. But when he's – there's videos of him making highlight play after highlight play and they're saying all these good things. Again, I'm all in on Jerry Judy. And a guy that's kind of in that similar, like all the things that beat reporters and everyone else is saying is the same thing as Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore is my number two breakout. And again, like they said that during Jets OTAs this year, of course, that was a couple months ago, that he was the best player on offense or defense coming out of OTAs. And even Connor Hughes um, of the Jets, I think the athletic um, beat writer was saying that he's like tired of writing about Elijah Moore because people are going to start to not believe it because that's all they're saying. And like I know there's people that were like, okay, well, he started on the second team to start training camp this year, so he's not going to play. Well, Justin Jefferson started the same way. And actually, again, if you you know don't like that, well, a report came out this morning about Elijah Moore, the fact that he started with the first team. First play of the day today, he was with the first team, a starter. I mean, his head coach, Robert Sala, said that this guy's mindset is off the charts. His work ethic is off the charts. He can line up whatever you want. And again, reports out of camp once again over the past couple of days have been all saying he's had more breakout practices. There's videos of him catching long touchdowns. And I don't want people to say, okay, Jerry Judy and now Elijah Moore. Okay, Alex, all you love is training camp. But that's not what I'm saying. Call, I mean, the last thing I'll say with Elijah Moore is, again, with all these beat, reporter, beat reports coming out, and then the fact that, again, reception, perception, once again, he was one of the best in getting open in college. So, again, I, I love Elijah Moore, and I think he could be someone that that does a lot of good things this year. Are you feeling that same way? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm very bullish on Elijah Moore. The only question is, you know, how much playing time mm -hmm. will he get? And I, I think he's talented enough. He's going to force the coaching staff to figure out yeah. <laughs> to, a way to get him to snaps. But, you know, I was – I was a bit bummed out that uh, Jamison Crowder was able to restructure his contract. I think if they were able to get rid of him, that would help um, free up snaps. But I think that the odd man out might actually be Denzel Mims, which I hate to say because I do like Mims' talent as well, but I think they will find a way to get more on the field this year. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think they're going to have to, and especially when the guy he has to beat out is Keelan Cole. I mean, again, I don't, I'm not trying to disrespect Keelan's Cole, and I doubt <laughs> like his family's listening to the podcast right now and getting <laughs> upset with me. But again, like it's not like this guy has shown out. And I mean, Elijah Moore is a rookie. And again, all people have said is this guy has just been absolutely unbelievable in every, I mean, every sense of the word. And I think the other thing about Elijah Moore that's interesting that we see is we saw with LSU the last couple of years with, I mean, certain positions that come out like OBJ and Jarvis Landry come out of LSU and then Justin Jefferson and now Jamar Chase and maybe Terrace Marshall. Maybe we're seeing the same thing with Ole Miss. That's where Elijah Moore went. First, we go A.J. Brown and then D.K. Metcalf and maybe Elijah Moore now. I think that's something, you know, just another little nugget to get people excited about. Um, pretty interesting. But for the people that cannot see the video, Sean is wearing a Chargers cap today, and his next player is a Chargers 
player. So who is this breakout wide receiver and why should we be drafting him? And hint, hint, before you say anything, I'm I'm 100% with you. Yeah, so my wide receiver breakout candidate is Mike Williams. And, um, you know, the new offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, is coming over from the uh, Sean Payton coaching tree. Um, and he's already said that he intends to use Mike Williams as ex-receiver, the same role that Mike Williams plays. So I think Mike Williams is going to see a ton of opportunities this year. I love investing in this Chargers offense with Justin Herbert entering year two. I think he exceeded everyone's expectations his rookie season. So I, I love the ability, you know, for he and Williams to get that extra chemistry heading into 2021. And, you know, he throws a great deep ball, which is something that Mike Williams can thrive at. Um, and we've seen Mike Williams put up a thousand yard season. We've seen him put up a 10 plus or a 10 touchdown season. So let's see him put it together in the same season this year. That's why I think he's going to be a breakout candidate. You know, we've yet to see him really put it all together for one season, but I think he will in year five. That's why I'm loving his ADP at wide receiver 49. I mean, he's practically free. He can start off on your bench, but I think you're going to find ways to put him in your lineup, um, you know, very early in the season. So I, I love taking him at ADP right now. Yeah, I I'm with you. I guess but I, have, I have to, you know, speak for the voice of public opinion. And they're saying, Sean, well, Austin Eckler missed six games. And then when he's there and then Keenan Allen, those guys are going to be the de facto one and two targets. So why? I mean, I get Mike Williams is free, but what do you think his upside is when he's playing with guys like that that are going to be target hogs? Yeah, no, I think that's a fair point. I, I think that this is an offense that is more than capable of sustaining, you know, three fancy relevant players. Yep. Um, their wide receiver three role um, is pretty irrelevant. Um, and, you know, they lost Hunter Henry. They replaced him with Jared Cook, who's a, you know, a pretty good tight end still, but he doesn't command the same target share. So I think you're still going to see a really narrow target tree with Eckler, Keenan Allen, and Michael Lamb. So I think that all three players, um, I think, are, are worth their ADP right now. And I think that's one thing that you made a really good point that people forget about sometimes in fantasies. It's not like this team has a dominant tight end and stuff like that. They forget, okay, just because this guy's the wide receiver too. Well, this team doesn't have a really great tight end that's getting a lot of targets. And then when you said like they're wide receiver three, it's not like he's playing with Curtis Samuel or something like in that Carolina offense getting a lot of targets. He's going to be playing with like a, either Jalen Guyton or Tyron Johnson or Josh Palmer, who's a rookie this year. And those guys, what we saw last year in that role, are just guys that are going deep. And I get that it's a new offense, but more than likely, those guys are going to be the deep guys. And especially when Mike Williams was on a podcast with Ian Harditz a couple weeks ago, and he said himself that he was like laughing. And he's like, I'm going to get more targets than I ever have in this role before. Like, I'm loving my role. Like, this is going to be a really big season for me. I know anyone always says there's a big season, but it's pretty interesting to hear going into their third or fourth year and players are like, okay, this is going to be the most targets I ever get. I think that's notable. Um, and I'm definitely with you with Mike Williams, but not as much as I'm in on Brandon Ayuk, who is my third breakout wide receiver. I mean, again, last year when Brandon Ayuk was playing, he was a top 20 receiver in any metric that wasn't week one um, for any stretch. Like he we played weeks two to eight before we got hurt, wide receiver 19, played, got hurt again. And then he was weeks 13 to 16 and he was the wide receiver 11. And the only other game he played last year was week 10 and he was the wide receiver 16. And I get it. I know he's playing with Kittle and Debo. But again, this is a guy that in reception perception was just absolutely unbelievable. As a rookie, he got he went out as the 88th percentile in getting open against man, 86th percentile against press. He beat double teams 77.8% of the time. And he's going to get better quarterback play this year. He's either going to get a full season of Jimmy G or Trey Lance. And I know rookies might, you know, have more of an impact in the wide receivers, but this is a guy that, again, in training camp has been unbelievable. They've been getting really good reports. They're saying this guy's unguardable. And I think the biggest thing to note about training camp, regardless of if you don't believe in training camp stuff or not, is the fact that 
they said that Brandon Ayuk has been the favorite target of all four quarterbacks in camp. That includes George Kittle. That includes Debo Samuel. And he has been the favorite target. Um, I'm someone that's really in on Brandon Ayuk. It does concern me a little bit with Trey Lance and how the the rookie quarterback plays with Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle in that offense. But I mean, Brandon Ayuk at his price right now going around the wide receiver 25 is someone I'm definitely buying. How do you feel about Brandon Ayuk? Yeah, I, I love uh, Ayuk, and I think people don't really appreciate how good he was last year. I agree. Um, you, he had five top 12 weekly finishes at wide receiver, mm-hmm. um, and he was in and out of the lineup. So if, if you take a percentage of the time he was a top 12 wide receiver, that was 42%. Yep. That ranked fifth among all wide receivers. Can you say that again? Um, that, that's a really good stat. He ranks fifth in top 12 weekly finishes. Wow. Percentage. Because he, he missed four <laughs> to five games. Yeah. Uh, but when he was in the lineup, he was performing. Um, so, you know, I, I think people underappreciate just how good he was last year. And you brought up a good point when it, when it comes to the 49ers, you have to, you have to also think, will I w- want this receiver when Trey Lance is quarterback? Because that's probably going to happen sooner than later. Um, and I think Ayuk is the guy that I would still want. I think Debo Samuel might get a bit of a downgrade with Lance um, in the lineup, but I, I think Ayuk will still have that, that massive upside that you're, you're drafting for sure and i think people are getting way too excited about debo samuel because like of his role i mean this is a guy that averaged 2.2 yards uh yards in attempt last year over the line of scrimmage again brandon Ayuk's the guy that's getting open and again for the last time i will cite reception perception and said i mean debo samuel is just not getting open at all unless it was zone coverage on his bubble screens that was the only place he was truly getting open but like you said it it is interesting with trey lance but one of the other things to point out for things that again another reason to draft certain players look at their playoff schedule Brandon Ayuk's last four weeks of the fantasy season are against the Bengals, the Falcons, the Titans, and the Texans, man. I mean, it's not going to get any better than that for fantasy matchups. Again, Brandon Ayuk could be really, really, really good in the playoffs, and he's someone that I'm targeting in a lot of drafts. Before, Sean, we get on to your number four breakout, we are going to take a quick break. Well, we are back. I hope you enjoyed the commercial, and we are getting into our number four breakout wide receiver. Um, Sean, who is your number four breakout? Uh, I think LaVisca Chenault uh, is a breakout candidate this year. I think when it comes to this Jaguars offense, we don't really know what to expect right now with Urban Meyer. Um, so in situations like that, I, I think, you know, you, do, you need to like lower expectations for a guy like DJ Chark. I think he's getting drafted a bit too high, whereas LaVisca Chenault could be the centerpiece of this offense. We don't really know, but I think he's worth it at his ADP at wide receiver 45. You know, he's a guy where when he was coming out of college and I was watching film, he just struck me as um, if Alvin Kamara were to put on some weight and become a wide receiver, like that's what he reminded me of. I, um, I mean, he is just a beast, and he's really good with the ball in his hand. So I think, you know, heading into year two, um, I think people are overlooking him a bit. And it was really odd how uh, the Jaguars drafted Travis Etienne, um, and, you know, they're trying to make him this Percy Harvin-type H-back when they already have LaVisca Chanel. I think he could be – a key piece in this Urban Meyer offense. Um, and and I love the fact that he's getting paired with Trevor Lawrence for at least the next few seasons. Yep. Um, so I think Chanel's a guy that I'm buying low right now. I think, you know, heading into next year, we're going to be talking about him as being, you know, a wide receiver two or three possibly. And, and I like that. And I think one of the things that's interesting is, again, it's, it's an ambiguous wide receiver group where, again, we've seen DJ Chark be pretty good in football and fantasy. We've seen Marvin Jones be pretty good, but they don't have like a true alpha. And I think, like you said, I mean, 
again, with James Robinson and their running back backfield, I mean, LaVisca Chanel has a real chance to be the centerpiece. I'm not saying he's going to, but like you said, when you're getting him around wide receiver 45 and you can get a guy that is the centerpiece of this offense, I mean, that's something that's really intriguing. But I guess I would also ask you with this, I mean, there's a lot of pretty talented players, um, if I may say, in this offensive backfield and they're playing with Trevor Lawrence. Like, what is LaVisca Chanel's ceiling this year if he does become the centerpiece? Yeah, that's the thing with Chanel is, you know, his ceiling probably isn't wide receiver one. Um, You know, his ceiling probably is more of a wide receiver two, so that's the only downside. Um, But I think he's a guy that just has a much higher floor than other guys in this range. Um, So that's one word of caution. When you draft a guy like this, he's probably not going to be a league winner. He's just a guy that's really cheap and you could potentially get, you know, a wide receiver two or three fringe player. Um, but yeah, there's there's obviously other guys. A guy that I'm going to talk about next probably has a much higher ceiling, but he's less likely to hit. But I think the the selling point with Chanel is he's just much more likely to be a wide receiver three potentially in this range, uh, you know, compared to these other guys. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think it's really interesting. And again, he's someone that in that range I really like. I mean, I love guys in that range, like like the guy you're going to talk about. Um, I like Antonio Brown, LaVisca Chanel, Elijah Moore. I think those are all guys in that wide receiver 40 range. My wide receiver four, five, or six, um, depending on the size of the league, is someone, I mean, guys that are all really interesting. Um, my number four breakout is T. Higgins. Um, I think T. Higgins is someone that's really interesting for fantasy next year. Um, last year, from weeks two to 10, he didn't really play in week one, which is an eight game stretch. I mean, Tyler Boyd was the wide receiver 14, and T. Higgins was the wide receiver 15 and a half PPR as a rookie. And then Joe Burrow got hurt in week 11. And after that, it, it just was not pretty. But I think the things that in this offense that are so intriguing that people don't talk about enough is everyone's like, okay, why am I drafting Jamar? I mean, I mean, sorry, why am I drafting T. Higgins because Jamar Chase is there? Well, people forget the fact that there's 194 vacated targets in this offense, which are targets that people had last year and left the team. And A.J. Green had over 100 targets last year. So it's not like all of a sudden T. Higgins isn't going to be able to get targets. There's over 100 A.J. Green leftover targets that are going to go to Chase. Okay, is Chase going to out-target Higgins? He definitely could. But I think with what Higgins did last year when he's going in elite 20 wide receivers, I think he's someone that's very, very, very interesting. And I don't think that people I mean, are overstating how great that Chase is going to be year one. Could Chase be the guy? Could he be the league winner, the wide receiver breakout? Absolutely. But again, I mean, he's a guy that – Coaches have said it looks a lot more explosive, confident. And again, he was the wide receiver 15 last year before Joe Burrow got hurt. And I think this is an offense that was first in pace last year. They were first in pass, on pace to be first in pass attempts before Joe Burrow went down. The volume is definitely there. Um, T. Higgins is a guy that I'll be taking in a lot of drafts. Are you are you feeling the same way on T. Higgins? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, we, I talked about him on our wide receiver pod that, you know, I, I love getting – Higgins, you know, late 20s ADP seems criminal. And you mentioned he was, you know, a top 15 wide receiver when Burrow was healthy. But even when Burrow was out, he put up the wide receiver 28 numbers uh, weeks 12 through 16 with Brandon Allen and Ryan Finley under center. So that just goes to show that's his ADP is probably closer to his floor. Um, And I love getting guys heading into year two, year three, when they already flash their massive ceiling. And T Higgins is that guy for me. I love taking either him or Chase, honestly, yeah. um, in, in this range. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's the other thing I'd say is, okay, if you're like, if you're someone that's like, okay, I'm drafting Jamar Chase in that range, 
go for it. Like, again, I think these are both guys. I'm, I mean, more drafts than not, I'll probably take the guy that ends up falling to me a little lower if I can get one guy in a one round later. But both guys are going to have a lot of shares of, like I said, I think volume is something that we always talk about. Volume is king. Well, this team was first in pace and on pace to be first in pass attempts. And this defense did not get much better. And I think that they're going to be passing a lot from behind once again. And I think that's going to really benefit T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. But we are on to our final wide receiver breakout each for the day. Sean, who is your wide receiver five breakout? So I'm thinking that the third year might be the charm okay. for Michael Hartman. Um, I, I feel like I, I have been let down almost every year with Michael Hartman, but I'm going to this well again. I think this is the last chance for him <laughs> to salvage his fantasy value. But, you know, I think that he just has massive, massive ceiling, especially in this offense. You know, I love investing in the Chiefs any way I can. I think Michael Hartman is the cheapest way to do it um you know so you know with sammy watkins gone he could you know go into that wide receiver two role um i think demarcus robinson will continue to frustrate us and play over 80 percent of the snaps but there is potential there for hartman to be a full-time player and if terry kill were ever to miss time i think hartman would be that league winning wide receiver I, i you know i think he sort of plays that Tyreek Hill role, which might be why they don't fit him into this offense when Hill is healthy, but he has that massive, massive upside if Hill were to miss time. But either way, he's cheap enough. You might as well take a flare on him again. And if he doesn't pan out, he doesn't pan out. He's not going to kill you. But this is the kind of guy late in the draft just has that massive upside that I can't pass up. Yeah, no, I like that. So I guess let me ask you this question. So if he's a guy that is one of your breakout wide receivers, you're going to be taking him a lot in drafts. Are you taking him right now under the presumption that Regardless of Demarcus Robinson, this guy's going to have a role this year and he could have some big weeks. And Or are you saying, okay, I'm going to stash this guy, kind of keep him on the end of my bench for now, and if Tyreek Hill happens to get hurt, I mean, wheels up for this guy. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. Um, Obviously, you don't want to draft a player just assuming someone's going to get hurt. But I think just based on his ADP and, like, my draft strategy overall, I do like, you know, stashing wide receivers with just massive upside. If, If he doesn't pan out, um, you know, you could just add somebody from the waiver wire that can return, you know, a higher floor. Um, I just think when it comes to wide receiver, it's easy to use the waiver wire to kind of like fill in the gaps. I'm going to have to do it in the Scott Fishbowl League with um, Michael <laughs> Thomas. I, I think it's just easy to find replacement value at wide receiver. Whereas, you know, running back, it's, you know, the backup running backs have that massive upside, whereas receivers, they don't really have that. So I think Nico Harmon gives you that massive upside on your bench that's really hard to find at other positions i love that i love that i guess my, my last question for you with Miko hardman is if if i want to draft him today in a league but for some reason it's already provoking by the gods that tyree kill travis kelsey clyde redilay are all going to play 16 games this year what's what is Miko hardman's ceiling and could he be more than a just a weekly boom or bust play if all those guys stay healthy I mean, even if Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey stay healthy, I mean, he has wide receiver three, even wide receiver two potential. Um, It's all about, you know, what they scheme up for him and how much playing time he gets. You know, last year he only cracked 70% of routes run two games. Wow. So if we see more playing time um, and, you know, Patrick Mahomes – um, gets tired of throwing a tire killer, Travis Kelsey, or defenses double team both guys, yep. and Miko Harmon's wide open. I mean, he does have that massive upside, even if guys are healthy. Uh, but we, we just know Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are just too good. They're going to get their targets. But still, Harmon has that big playability where he doesn't need that much playing time or targets um, to have you know wide receiver three potential. So I think heading into year three, he might grow as a receiver. Yeah. You know, he was pretty raw 
coming out of college. So I think just he personally will get better this year and will command more targets. I love that. And this is this is one of the reasons where I'm, I'm sitting here as a host and I'm like, man, I'm so glad I got this guy on my podcast. I, I just hit you with some tough McCole Hardman questions, you know, put you on the spot a little bit. And I think you you made a great case. And I think all your answers were very flawless and well-spoken. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to have a little tough thing to live up to for my final wide receiver breakout. And that's kind of another if you put it all together. And that's Will Fuller. I mean, Will Fuller is someone that's super interesting for me because I don't think people realize that I know I understand he is always hurt. I know. Like, fine. I, like, I, I will concede that. But when this guy is on the field, he's just ridiculous. I mean, over the last three seasons. So in 2000. So here's what he's done over the last three seasons when healthy. I know that's a big if. But in 2018, he was the wide receiver 23 from weeks 1 to 8 before he got hurt. In 2019, he was the wide receiver 18 from weeks 1 through 7 before he got hurt. And then last year, he was the wide receiver 5. These are all half PPR numbers from weeks 1 to 12 before he got suspended. And I know that he's never healthy. But again, if he stays on the field, I think he could be a menace. I think he's going to be the guy for this Dolphins team. And I know he's playing with a new quarterback where he's going around the wide receiver 40s right now. I mean, again, this is a guy that when he's on the field, he just produces. And I think one of the things that's really interesting, I had Stefania Bell on my podcast for people that don't know um, just last week. So if you haven't heard that episode, go listen to it. But one of the people that we talked about was Will Fuller. And where I was saying to her, okay, what's the chance that Will Fuller could actually be healthy? And she's like, it's better than you think because Will Fuller last year before the season was talking about he had this whole new training regimen that was basically set so he wouldn't get injured. Kind of like the Tom Brady and his whole thing and how to stay healthy. Will Fuller did a similar thing and he had doctors that helped him train just specifically to do that. And what did he do? He didn't get hurt last year. Maybe you could say it's because of the PEDs. And I know he got suspended to end last year and he's going to miss one game this year. But again, if that yoga or whatever he did and the voodoo, whatever that is that keeps him healthy, I mean, hey, he's going to be a great value in drafts if he's on the field. And I think the argument is simple as that. And there's not that many guys that are going around the late 30s, early 40s that have as much upside as Will Fuller do. Um, yeah. So, I mean, again, Will Fuller, I'm all in on him. Sean, are you are you drafting Will Fuller at all? Yeah, I think he he kind of fits the description I was I was saying with Michael Harmon, mm-hmm. guys like that. Once you're outside of the top 36 or once you're drafting guys for your bench, you sort of want that massive upside or else, you know, what are you doing? Um, so I'm always a fan of taking Will Fuller, guys like Deshaun Jackson the past couple seasons, super late because you know when they're healthy, they're going to produce. You don't need them to play every game. Um, so the, those are the guys I do like to target um, outside of the top 36. For sure. And I think another thing that Will Fuller's value is dropped a little bit, again, just because people see a suspended sign. Like I tried to trade Will Fuller the other day in a league for someone else. And the guy's like, I'm not taking a chance. He's suspended. I was like, dude, like he's he's suspended for one game. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, and you're not you're not drafting him to play week exactly. one either. Like you're drafting him to start on your bench. Yep. So the fact that he's at week one isn't that big of a deal, in and, my opinion. And I think the other thing that's not a big deal is let me say to you, let's say you have Will Fuller and you want him to play on your team, but you're not drafting him because he's not playing week one. Well, who's he playing week one? He's playing the Patriots. He's gonna be the wide receiver one. He's probably being targeted by Stefan Gilmore. So are you gonna play him anyway if he's playing week one? No. So like I said, draft Will Fuller, he wouldn't be playing anyway. But um, those are our wide receiver breakouts today. Um, Sean, I think you made some excellent predictions. Before we get you out of here, have to ask you the most important question of this entire podcast. And that is, what is your 2021 flag plant, your boldest prediction that you actually believe in? Who is it? I actually believe this. Um, Trey Lance will be a top five QB in the fantasy playoffs. Same thing that we saw with Jalen Hurts last year. So um, he's a guy that 
I I don't normally take two quarterbacks in leagues, um, but he's a guy I say is worth stashing on your bench if you can afford it, um, because I think he does have that massive upside. And you actually mentioned it earlier. His playoff schedule is ridiculous. Um, weeks 15 through 17, whenever your playoffs start, um, he plays at home against Falcons, at Tennessee, and then at home against the Houston Texans. So it doesn't get much better than that. Um, you know, he has that massive, massive rushing upside. Same thing with Jalen Hurts. So I think that he's he's a lock to be, you know, a top five QB come fancy playoff time. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think even if he took over week one, he has a legitimate chance to be a top five, like a top five or top 10 QB. And I know that's a hot take and he's a rookie, but again, he has three guys in Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle, who I think were all top 10 last year in yards after the catch. And I know everybody loves Shanahan, Shanahan, Shanahan in this system. I think it's going to set him up well with the running backs, his rushing upside, all that. I think he has all the tools to do it. I think at minimum, he is going to be the starter. This is something I've talked about on TikTok, on my podcast before. I 100% believe in him because you can't, no one, no one. I keep asking this question when people say it. There has not been a quarterback that's been drafted in the top three in at least the last 20 years that has not started at some point in the rookie season. And if you don't think he's going to start, well, then he's going to start at the end. Again, you're, people are betting against history right now to say that he won't start the season. And again, the last thing I will say is, again, I have to do it again. Have to do it. In training camp, the players have been saying, this guy looks like a wolf coming for Jimmy Garoppolo's job. I mean, they're calling him a wolf coming for, coming for the sheep. And Jimmy Garoppolo's had some not – awesome days and i'm saying that trey lance has been lighting the world on fire but they said this guy has balls this guy's coming so again i love the trey lance prediction and i think he's someone that like you said if you're drafting a second qb especially with the last pick in your draft similar to Miko hardman and elijah moore and some of these other guys there's not many guys with as much upside as trey lance does at the end of the draft but that is it for today sean thank you so much for coming on the podcast do you have any closing thoughts or anything that you want to plug and tell the listeners about uh, yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at the underscore odds maker, and I'll be coming out with my um, fancy tiers and strategy articles over the next couple weeks. So check those out. Um, that's where I break down, you know, detailed by you know all my tiers, how I'm drafting every position, every section of the tiers. I break it all down. Uh, look for those in the next couple weeks. I love it. I love it. Well, I have to say, even I think everyone should at least look you up on Twitter at the underscore odds maker. Not only because it's the odds maker, like I said in my intro, it really does sound like I, I could see that being the next big villain, like the odds maker. And he has this whole thing with, you know, playing the odds, kind of like a, a different, like a, um, a mutated two-face, so to speak, playing the odds. <laughs> but not only that, I think you have one of the most badass profile pictures on all of Twitter. I mean, I, I remember seeing that for the first time. I was like, like that guy, that looks intimidating. It's fierce. <laughs> it's competitive. Um, I absolutely love it. But like I said, check him out at the underscore odds maker on Twitter. Highly recommend following him for some of the best predictive analytics in the business. And check out The Action Network, one of the best sports companies in the entire world. Um, but that is it for today. Thank you so much for listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. Um, all I'd ask for is a review, some feedback. You know, it's the only way to get better. Good feedback, bad feedback. I want to hear it all because at the end of the day, it is truly the way to get better is hearing feedback and working on things. So thank you all so much for listening. Like I said, please leave a review. You guys already know what to do. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day.